Hello, podcast listeners. You're listening to another episode of The Long Journey Home. I am your host, Corbin Johnson. And this is the daily news for Thursday, November 23rd, 2014. Uh, Charlie Plain held a live hangout Tuesday afternoon. He discussed primarily former OP director James Hoskin resigned as OP director. James apparently resigned when a proposal for a change to the organized play was going to um, take away from the importance of local events. Um, It is possible that other events helped uh, lead to his resignation as well, but apparently he was not very clear about his decision to resign, according to Charlie Plain. The proposal has been removed from consideration. Charlie also explained that he will no longer be taking an active role in the Organized Play Committee. And Matthias Kirali will continue in his newly appointed role as OP Director. He brought up other topics during the Hangout, including his optimism for an exciting 2014. And he also included a 2E spoiler for Project Rose. It was a Cardassian capture event, and it looks pretty cool. So I suggest you go listen to that Hangout because of all the awesomeness that he discussed in there. I mean, he was very sad to see James go, but his optimism and excitement for the year including a new printable, all-cards printable uh, policy, uh, were interesting to listen to, so I suggest you go over and take a look at that. Matthias Kirali announced that all cards will be printable and can be used in events using uh, starting February 3rd, 2014. All the games, 1E, 2E, and Tribbles, will have all of their cards printable as part of this effort. Charlie explained that because sealed product for the second edition is all but gone, he felt that this would be uh, a good way to help the uh, new ent- new players start the game by helping them get around any sort of cost barrier. The OP guide will be updated early February to reflect this change. And a new OP guide will be released in early March, containing any other changes that will be made. The article on the front page details most of the uh, changes for the printable quality, or printable, uh, the printable policy. What excites me about this is that now I don't have to go digging for those last few uncommons and and commons that I just can't find copies of. In fact, I might just get so lazy as I'll never, ever build a card or a deck with new cards again. It could happen. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of serious about this. Uh, I have my cards organized, but it is a pain in the ass to find them sometimes. So, pretty excited about this. Another hindsight article has been published by Charlie Plain. Details his thoughts on the first second edition set, aptly named second edition. Uh, some of the topics he discussed were that cards now had costs, that interaction was put to the side in favor of mission solving, 1E was supported still, and this was, he believes, a fantastic business decision on Decipher's part. And Affiliation Flavor was pretty much the name of the game for the six affiliation and sub-affiliations that came out. The article is pretty insightful and uh, seems to mesh up with a lot of the ideas I think most of us 
feel uh, second edition was about. So, a uh, great article, very interesting to read. An errata to two Tribbles achievements was made live by Rogue Schindler. Eight skips and eight reverse cards will need to be put into a dance deck when eight dance cards are used to, ach to achieve the achievement. Um, previously, all that was needed was eight dance cards to be in a deck in order for the achievement to be unlocked. The achievement will be retroactively removed for players who had earned it. I don't necessarily agree with this myself. Uh, I feel that once you've earned something and gone through the effort, you should be able to keep it no matter what, and that the effect should not be retroactive. But who am I to say? It's achievements, and they really don't matter in the end anyway. So, uh, there you go. And one other news item. U.S. Nationals has come and gone, and they were held in Lexington, Kentucky uh, earlier this month. Alrighty, first, the 1E tournament was won by Scott Bauman, uh, uh, nicknamed Neelix on message boards. He used a TNG Ferengi deck uh, with some interesting tricks to win the game, or win the uh, tournament. And uh, in second place was Michael Van Bremen, the Ninja Scott, using a um, legitimate leader of the Empire Klingon TNG deck. So um, right there it's interesting to see that no DS9 decks made it to the first or second place. Uh, 13 players attended that regional, I'm sorry, national event. And uh, yeah, he defeated four players in order to win the title. Um, Scott. So, uh, second edition was won by Greg Hodgen, 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 uh, known as Tomalock on the message boards. He went with a Romulan deck titled Unicorn and Rainbows. Uh, using an all-consuming eel um, tragic turn dilemma pile, and a swath of unstopping personnel. He used also Denatra, far-seeing eyes, and all the fun Romulan tricks, and included a phoenix, which he commandeered at Commandeer Prototype for an additional 10 points needed for his opponents to win. He defeated, uh, in order, Casey Wickham, Mike Camp, Maggie Geppert, and username Parish to win, and uh, his deck, um, yeah, so uh, congratulations to both of them for their wins in these categories. The uh, Tribbles National uh, was won by Michael Van Bremen using uh, a, a deck called the Supercycle. Pretty cool. It's a 1-go, 10-go, 100-stampede, 1,000-sabotage, 10,000-go slash stampede, 100,000-replay deck. Uh, pretty insightful and uh, pretty clever, and I think I just might copy that for my next event. Um, getting pretty bored of my 1-go, 10-go, 100-copy deck. Um, although, uh, yeah. So, interesting deck, and well done to Michael Van Bremen. Well done to all the players at that. Uh, let's move on to the top five list. As you know from listening to the show in the past, uh, we are going through each of the first edition sets and doing a top five cards for that set, according to moi. So this time around, we are doing the Fajo Collection. The Fajo Collection was released in, uh, what, 1997? I think it was supposed to be 1996, but it ended up... Uh, no, it was 1997, and it came out, I think, right after First Contact uh, in a strange show of uh, things. In any event, uh, it was a boutique set 
included 18 specially made cards with special ink. Very special, 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 special. That's all they could talk about. Retailed for $80, and only 40000 were ever made. And uh, there are still plenty available at wholesalesalegaming.com, and I think he sells them um, on sale usually for about 28 bucks, anywhere up to uh, $30 to $40. So uh, if you don't have one, I suggest getting one. Even if you're a second edition player, it's just kind of an interesting mantelpiece um, to look at. It has a stick of bubble gum in it. It's got uh, a poster of every 1E card to come out before then, uh, including, and I kind of glossed over this, the uh, six f- uh, first anthology cards are in there, as well as the uh, two-player game cards. I may come back to those at some point in this, because um, there are cards in there that didn't appear in any other sets, so... I may have to go back and look at those. So, for now, we'll stick with the major uh, major expansions. So, for the Fajo collection, I've picked my favorite five cards. Uh, there were a lot of cards in here and a lot of personnel. And this is a, a set where some of the personnel actually did some interesting things for once. And we're not just kind of um, skill people and just personnel. So, uh, a couple of them have made the uh, top five list this time. So, let's, uh, let's just jump into it. Uh, Dixon Hill's business card crops up here at number five. Now, this is the first and only dual event interrupt card in the game. Um, in fact, I think it's the only dual card type card in the entire game of uh, both first, second edition, I guess, triples. You can technically have some combos in there. Um, now, it does two very powerful things, uh, and that's why, you know, this card still sees a lot of play. I think, in some decks. Um, I like to play with it on occasion. Uh, as When you play it as an event, your opponent cannot play another personnel unless they're universal or holographic. So, uh, so this might have been a way of Decipher to make a hammer um, for players playing mostly rare cards and that sort of thing, and for not playing with holograms, I guess. I'm not sure what that was all about. Um, but it is interesting, uh, you know, you see a lot more players playing with universal cards now, so this card just isn't quite as good. But it really, I think, it showed a lot of popularity right before Holodeck Adventures came out. And then when Holodeck Adventures came out, again, a lot of holograms became popular, so the card waned in its um, popularity at that time. Um, so right before, I think, the TNG block uh, came out, there was, uh, you'd see this quite a bit. Um, or the, I don't know, I played with it, I don't know. Yeah, anyway, and then there's the interrupt that allows you to capture a personnel who's died alone. Mm. It's not often that this happens, but it does give the card uh, just a, a little extra oomph in case you notice, oh, well, my opponent is definitely playing with uh, interrupts and whatnot. Um, and then you have to put this card out of play. I'm, I'm sorry, I said I meant to say universal people and holograms. Then the card has to go out of play afterwards. Uh, and what also is fun, of course, is that it's written in, uh, I think, like 1930s uh, slang words. And, uh, yeah. So anyway, a great card. Uh, still pretty useful, but not right now. Uh, maybe someday we'll see it become u- u- useful again. Number four on the list is Persistence of Memory probably my favorite artifact of all time other than the uh, Orb of Time. <laughs> and we can get into that when triples rolls around. You guess what's going to be on that top five list. Anyway, so yeah, this card is, uh, it reverses 13 other cards 
you have to play this card on that card. Uh, my favorite use for it is to play it on Anti-Time Anomaly, and uh, if the Anti-Time Anomaly goes off, instead of everyone dying, everyone comes back. That is, anyone in all players' discard piles comes into play regardless of uniqueness. So, I, it's fun to put like 10 cards in your discard pile, and then have this go off, and then boom, you've got 10 cards in play, and you've totally busted the uniqueness rule. And it's super fun. And I've pulled it off a couple times, and if you've never pulled it off, go pull it off, because it's fun. All right. Number three, Kivas Fajo himself, the man, the myth, the legend. This card uh, is, I guess, notable for having no integrity, and I believe being the first card to have a non-defined attribute, or however it is, um, undefined attribute. So uh, it's not modifiable. He always has no integrity, even if he's in the presence of Kukulaka. Uh, and uh, also, um, what's really interesting about the card, though, is that he doubles all Paler Toph, or I'm sorry, he makes use of opponent Paler Toph cards. Um, and so, uh, what what this, or I'm sorry, um, I, nah, shoot. Um, no, he, what he does is actually a bit more sinister than that. I think he makes all players use any Paler Toph cards used. Um, so, now I need to look him up, because... Um, what, uh, what players would do is they would put Kivas Fajo into play and then Paler Toph a Paler Toph and constantly do this and it made your opponent have to take all his cards in his discard pile into hand and then you could scorch hand him and then make him put all of his, you know, shuffle his cards back in. It, I, if I recall correctly. Now, for some reason, I'm, I'm thinking that may not be the case. Um... I think Decipher's intention, though, with the card was to make you just simply, when your opponent uses Paler Toph, you get the bonus of getting to use Paler Toph, which is really cool. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay, no. Ah, that's what it was. You had to use the Naked Truth to give him to your opponent, and then your opponent would have to use Paler Toph. That's what it was. You, that's okay. Okay, so, yes, uh, I'm sure players are listening going, oh my god, no, no, you've completely messed up the combo. <laughs> Anyway, uh, that doesn't work anymore because uh, Paler Toph is banned. Um, or did we unban him at some point? Anyway, uh, I think he has to go out of play or something. I don't know. I don't remember. Anyway, so you can't do that anymore. But uh, for a while, it was annoying but fun. So, uh, yeah. Uh, so what, you know, and the theme of the Fajo collection was that there was a lot of cards that ended up being broken. Um including Kivas Fajo and a couple other cards that are coming up here. Uh, number two, Lore. Uh, why? Because of his special game text. He doubled Crystalline Entity and Rogue Borg Mercenaries. And Rogue Borg Mercenaries, as we all know, uh, that's a card that probably should have been on my premiere list for being uber broken. Uh, most people would play one copy of it to an opponent's ship right before a mission attempt, and uh, that would stop the crew, and they could not attempt a mission at that time. And then uh, players had, were playing with Distortion of Space-Time Continuum to get around that, but then the Temple Vortex would come out, and uh, haha. So then you would play um, Revolving Door on the Temple Vortex, and <laughs> so on and so forth. Um, all cards had answers to them, and uh, 1E was a very interesting animal back in the day. But doubling uh, Rogue Borg Mercenaries, uh, you would double the double using Krosis, 
So you could make a pretty formidable uh, rogue Borg um, army at, at one point. You could use Lore's Fingernail, I guess, to take control, or Lore Returns, or whatever it was. Um, so, so this card just made Rogue Borg even better, which arguably was a bad thing, um, which makes this card all that more intriguing. Doubling Crystalline Entity is pretty cool, too. Two music or shields greater than 12. If you don't, on your ship, when you hit Crystalline Entity, everyone dies, even the stopped people. It's pretty ridiculous and pretty powerful, and it still sees play today. So, for that, lore, I give you the number two slot. But number one has to go to the coolest doorway ever invented, Black Hole. Black Hole is cool, well, for several reasons. One of them being that it actually sucks. The, the card <laughs> says this card sucks on it in the uh, copyright lore. Um, it looks like the game text is being sucked into the center of the card. And every four turns it was out, it would kick out, or I'm sorry, it would suck in a new spaceline location. And at some point, if the game had gone on long enough, all of the spaceline locations would have been sucked in. Now, that's a really long game, but that's pretty cool. And then if you reverse it with Persistence of Memory, it would spit out universal space locations on either side of it. And how cool is that, right? <laughs> and if your ship was there at the end of a turn, it would get sucked in. And then the card just got even more interesting in Blaze of Glory when the... Uh, Hawking's Paradox deck became pretty popular. So, uh, yeah. What a cool card. Um, I think it was the most interesting card, obviously, to come out of the set. Um, saw a lot of play. Uh, very cheesy, uh, but interesting and fun. So, uh, that's my top five for the Fajo Collection. Let's go ahead and move on to Forum Matters. What a mess! What a mess is what I have to say about the forum right now. It's been pretty much uh, Red Dwarf, James Hoskins himself, going on and on about why Matthias Corrali uh, should be fired, uh, why all the craziness that's happened has happened with him, why he resigned, um, just the craziness of all of it, Charlie trying to calm him down, uh, Killer Bee throwing fuel on the fire with his Fox News sort of things, and just, what a mess. Everyone's trying to calm James down. I think the strategy here is to ignore. Um, that's what I would do if I had an annoying child. I don't have an annoying child. I do have an annoying dog, though, and I like to ignore him a lot. Anyway, what can I say? Um, probably the most interesting forum post right now out there is Memo, It's Okay to Break the Rules, because, as James describes, because Matthias did, you should too. Until Matthias steps down. Ignore people. That's what I say. Alright, let's move on to my segment, the philosophy segment. Now, what I'm about to talk about probably contradicts what I just said in the Forum Matters segment, but I wanted to talk about community community in the Star Trek CCG world. Now, Charlie's hangout discussed his heartfelt opinion that Star Trek is really about the players, right? He was go he would dis he discussed that the whole point of the continuing committee is to serve the players. And I tend to agree. Um, 
And because without the players, without the community, there would be no continuing committee. Without the, but it's it's a dichotomy. Without the continuing committee, there would be no players. Or well, there would still be players, but there wouldn't be this amazing community that's come out of it. So it's a not not so much a chicken and the egg problem. If if one go well, if one goes away, the other goes away. That's for sure. And this is the sort of time in a community where things get tried, and by tried I mean tested and pushed and prodded and things get things could could potentially become out of hand and hectic but they they test the community they they try it they they it's kind of like a three-year-old and trying to get away with things and seeing what happens um and it's a growing pain and that's okay communities go through this um my I've belonged to the Star Trek community for 13 years now. And there were times where the community would get tested when new sets would come out and questionable cards would come out and decks would come out. And Decipher always tried to apply things and make useful, interesting solutions. For example, the 2002 Worlds had five 1E cards banned outright. No, unprecedented move by Decipher to simply ban five cards and say these cannot be played at Worlds. Have fun. Uh, Vic Fontaine, Rogueborg Mercenaries, and three others that I can't remember right now. But they said you can't use these cards, and the community really hated it. Um, and no, there was no asterisk put on that World Championship, obviously. Uh, uh, Franklin Kenter won that. And uh, he won it with a pretty cheesy deck. Um, Hexany, uh, Horgahan. And the deck was really good for many years to come. In fact, he, he used to claim that no one could beat the deck, or, or that um, that the only way to beat it would be to, write, to make a deck that defeated it. Um, and that was arguably a sign of a bad game. So, what's the point? The point is that... Uh, Bumps, speed bumps in the road come up, and we have to deal with them accordingly. I, I don't... I, uh, personally, as a community member, uh, what's going on right now doesn't scare me. I think it's been handled appropriately, and uh, maybe a few more ban hammers should be handed out. Um, but that's not... you know, Maybe the fact that we're not shows that we're a mature community that understands that people will become uh, vocal when they feel that their opinion is not being uh, respected or listened to, um, and that it's okay to have dissent in a community like this. And in fact, I think it's welcome and warranted. Um, we're, we're, this is a game community. We, we play a game. We don't do something that is, uh, uh, this might be the wrong word, but constructive. Uh, we do to some degree, right? Um, there, I don't. I don't know if people play the game because they have nothing better to do, or they feel that without the community, their life would be meaningless. Um, if the game went away tomorrow, uh, here's what would happen to me: I would be saddened. I would 
have a lot more time to work on other things, which is arguably a good thing. Uh, I would probably become a better programmer. <laughs> I would probably spend less time making decks. Not that I spend that much time anyway now, but um, I would spend more time with my dog. Uh, we would go on more walks on weekends where I'm allowed to play with my cards. Um, however, I would still be friends with the people I'm friends with now. We would play other games. We would play Netrunner or Magic or things like that. And life would go on. But we'd miss Star Trek and we'd still play Star Trek, right? Tomorrow, Decipher, not, Decipher said we're, we're shutting down the continuing committee. Um... Not Decipher. Decipher's not going to do that, obviously. Uh, Paramount might, though. And if not Paramount, then CBS Television would. Um, and they could. And they're legally... Obli- they're not obligated, but they, they have the ability to. But not much would change. I think our... our I, 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 can, I can, however, say, though, that if the Continuing Committee had not been there, I would not have the friends here in Chicago that I do right now. And without them, without the Continuing Committee, I never would have met some of the people I met. And that's important to me. And they give me an interesting excuse to meet with my extended family in Gen Con every year. And I argue that we would still meet in Gen Con, and we would still play Star Trek. We might not get to play with virtual cards. We might have to play with old cards only, or something like that. I doubt. I don't know what would happen. Would we become underground or whatever? But the game would go on, and the community would go on, even if, you know... X, Y, and Z happened because we're a strong community. Uh, but the continuing committee is important. We and it helps us to become a stronger community by helping new players to join. And I think that's really the primary role of the continuing committee to expand the game, and by expanding the game, allow new players to come in and for new ideas to come into the game. Without that, there's no game, and the game would eventually get stale, right? The next Gen Con would be fine. We'd all play our traditional decks, and we'd all have a jolly good time. But I think less people would show up uh, as time went on because the best decks would get discovered and the game would eventually die. Um, That's just what happens to a CCG when no new cards come out. Um, And and this is is tried and true. Um, I don't have solid examples of it to discuss here. But um, it's just kind of logical if you think about um, a game um, in that state. Um, So community is really important for this game. Um, I mean, arguably it isn't. But at the same time, it's there. It will persist. But people would go on with their lives. Um, I don't... Now, given all of this, the continuing committee, I think, is going nowhere until CBS makes that phone call and sends that cease and desist letter, our game's going to go on because we have passionate leadership, we have passionate players, and new players are coming in all the time, and we just want this game to go on forever. And I think it can do it, and people are having children, and they're learning the game, and this game could become multi-generational. I, to, to some degree, it, it has already I remember families playing the game together. It brought them closer. Um, we had brothers who would play. We had a dad and his sons who would play. And they loved it. And, uh, I mean, I, I don't know if any of them are still playing the game. Um, you know, and it, so... And there's, a flip side, uh, there's a flip 
side to this argument, though, and that is that um, player groups have been disbanded because of actions of the continuing committee. I'll speak personally to the North Calriza group. The group is pretty much gone now, um, and this was because of how they felt the game was going. Um, frankly, uh, the block system and TNG did it. Um, they uh, they felt that the game was going in the wrong direction. They were a big first edition group, not many second edition players. Uh, there is still a second edition group, I believe, uh, in Stockton, California. Um, I think Richard New is the head of that, or one of the directors, uh, or uh, organizers. And uh, But the first edition group is gone, and they, they're not coming back. Uh, at least I, I seriously doubt it. Most of them are telling me that it's a waste of their time at this point. And it's kind of unfortunate. Um, you can look at it a couple ways. You can say... The group went on this long. How amazing is that? I think they'd been playing since well before I joined in 1999, and they continued until about a year ago. And that's just amazing to me. And um, I miss it. I miss them. Um, I don't get to see them, obviously, because of uh, uh, I live in Chicago now. But, uh, yeah, I miss being a part of that group. We would talk remotely about the game and discuss it. And um, But... <laughs> When Gen Con rolled around, it was great to see them again and kind of be back in the team. Um, yeah, so uh, as, uh, arguably for every group that disbands, another one joins. Hopefully there is growth to the game. Uh, I don't care to, if the if the continuing committee grows or not. Um, these, <laughs> I just want it to stag, to stay stagnant or decline just a little bit. Um, personally, I, I really have no say in it, right? Um, all I can do is help design cards as in my role. Um, arguably we could have done a better job of that. Um, I freely admit to that. Um, but anyway, yeah, uh, the, the game goes on and no matter what comes its way, I hope. Um, so I'll leave it there. The game's important to me. It's important to all of us. It's important that we continue to play the game and show that even in challenging times such as these, arguably they really aren't, but we go on and we keep playing. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to a tournament this Sunday. Um, That should be a lot of fun for second edition. All right. Questions, comments, or concerns, you can give me a call at 267-CALL-CPJ or shoot me a PM at CorbinQ27 on the message boards. You are also welcome to send me feedback or material um, or ideas and whatnot uh, to my voicemail or to my email at CorbinJohnson at me.com. Any sort of interesting ideas you have or contributions you'd like to make, such as a poem, a song, a deck idea a top five, a top ten, your favorite expansions. You know the drill. You can drop me a line at CorbinJohnsonMe.com. Until next time, this is Corbin Johnson signing off, saying so long and thanks for all the trek.
This podcast is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 Unported License. To find out more about that license, visit creativecommons.org slash licenses slash by dash nc dash sa slash 3.0. Our theme music is Space Ace by Mark Teicher. Other songs included are Inspiration and Mission Briefing by Mark Teicher. Our outro song is Teleporter by Dungeon Kimura. You can find out more about these artists at jamendo.com. J-A-M-E-N-D-O.com. And each of those is released under the same or similar Creative Commons licenses as this podcast.